0: We'd like to uh, welcome everybody to the broadcast today who's watching by Facebook or by YouTube. For those of you who came out a few days before the end of the new year, I say God bless you, God bless you. We're in the book of Colossians. Is anybody missing their worksheets uh, for the book of Colossians this week? If not, we're in Colossians chapter 3 and we have a lot to cover. Uh, and Lamarck has already started my clock, so I'm going to go ahead <laughs> and get started. I'm so glad to see each and every one of you. And if we hadn't got the chance, or you weren't here Sunday, I want to tell you, everyone, thank you for your kindness that you showed across the holiday season to us. Uh, it is highly appreciated, and it does not go unnoticed. Uh, kind words or whatever uh, the gift may be, we're extremely grateful and happy to be a part of this family. Well, we're in Colossians. What chapter we in? We're in chapter 3. We've learned some things about um, the first two books, and we've learned about the Gnosticism and Asceticism and all those other schisms and things. And now we're starting in the book of Colossians, chapter 3. We're going to start at verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, and we're going to read down 1 through 4. Um, and let's all go ahead and read that together. What does it say? Now, that's enough to take a whole hour. That's saying a whole lot. I don't know if you know, but he said a whole entire uh, bundle of truth right there. The first thing he says is since then, as we know that how he's starting it is he's finishing his argument. From before, that Christ is supreme, Christ is higher than the angels, that we shouldn't be trusting in human knowledge and false humility and all these things. We shouldn't be trusting in our own ways to try to become right with God. Anybody remember the definition of religion? The definition of religion? Yeah, the one, the one I want. <laughs> That's it. That is it. That it's man's attempt to be right with God. Uh, lots of religions exist across the world, and they're not relationships. They're religions because they de- depend on human effort to become right with God. And that leaves us always lacking because we know no matter how good we are, we can never be good enough to get to what? Heaven. We can't, we, we can't achieve Anything that these other religions are telling us, you can't achieve nirvana if you were in other religions or uh, or other things. You can't achieve those things because you're a fallible human being. We have the only, only belief system where uh, that God has come in the form of a human and died for his died for us, and He has paid the penalty for us. So we receive salvation not because we deserve it, but because He's given us a legal right to it. Um, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of what? God is eternal uh, life, and so Paul tells us, he says, since then you have been raised with Christ. In other words, when Christ was raised from the dead, he got up with what? Victory. So now that he has victory, when you see the word raised, it indicates elevation, right? It indicates position. Does that sound similar to anything you've heard? We, We did a study a few months back where we say, and now we are what? Seated with him in what? Heavenly places. In other words, that although we may look the same on the outside, our spiritual position has what? Changed. You've been raised with Christ, so then he gives you a a command. He says, since you've been raised with Christ, you need to set your mind on what? Things above. It's so easy. Everybody say, don't get distracted. It's so easy to get distracted. We as humans uh, get distracted very, very easily. That's why when we come into prayer, we put on music and we have scriptures going because we don't want people talking because it's prayer time and we don't want people to get what distracted. It's very easy to get distracted for the outside stimuli and not and lose focus on what God. And we can't grow the way God wants us to grow because a lot of times we spend a lot of times on things in the eternal scheme that really don't what matter. We spend time fought with false arguments and arguing about things sometimes even in the church that really don't what matter and and we, we, we get upset about those things so what he's saying is your main focus yes you have to eat yes you need clothes there are some things in life you gotta have we know this but your main focus should be on what? heavenly things in other words that our main hope is in Christ Christ is our hope he is the hope of what? Glory, We hear that all the time. He says where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And we know from other studies that not only is Christ seated there, but positionally we are seated what? With him in heavenly places. Isn't that amazing? Uh, Have you ever got something you know you don't deserve? (laughs) You ever got a gift you know you really didn't deserve? Or or here's one. You said something dirty behind somebody's back or something you know and you talked about them bad. And all of a sudden that person came up and they were nice to you. And, and you just knew that person hated you, and they were and you said something that you knew you shouldn't have said and all of a sudden that person giving you a gift or something how did that make you feel? It makes you be he's honest it makes you feel terrible because you realize that the position you took was the one what position now can you imagine that God has given us a position that we don't really what deserve we're, We don't deserve the position, but his grace and his mercy what Gave it to us, which means he's given us some authority. There's some things that come with that position. If I was an officer of the law, an officer of a law, and this is a long held illustration, it's not uh, unique to me, um, but a long held position is that we, if an officer of law gets out in the middle of the highway and holds up his hand, his strength is not enough to stop a Mack truck, but the authority he represents is. (laughs) So when he holds up his hand, If that truck can, he's going to what? Stop. Because the authority that's held behind it comes with what? It has consequences for not obeying that authority. In other words, the Bible says, resist the what? Devil, and he will what? Flee from you. Not because of who you are, but because of who Christ is and the authority that you represent. You have been given authority. He says, I give you authority over what? unclean spirits and over serpents and scorpions uh, and all the power of the enemy and he's talking about demonic oppression he's talking about all sorts of spiritual things and he says i've shifted your position now that you have received my son as lord and savior and now you now have authority over them because you're exercising my authority So, so you need to set your mind on things what you need to set your mind on things above. That, that's something rich. There are some truths in here. That Christ is seated at the right hand of God and the position of authority is alluded to only the firstborn. Um, because Christ is seated at the right hand of God, believers are to set their minds on things above and not on earthly things. Their personal spirituality and their per- personal religious performance cannot get them to heaven. Mm. It, it took their focus when they started the Judaizers and all the false prophets came and, and Paul is addressing these people talking about works through righteousness and talking through Gnosticism and secret knowledge and stuff like that. Yeah, if you could bring me another mic. Uh, what Paul is saying is those things uh, can't get you to heaven. You need to set your mind on things of what? But you can't do it on your own. There, there, it's foolish for us to try to do it on our own works performance will not work that your life. And then he says something powerful. He says this. He says, set your minds on things above, not on early earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now, think about a dead person for a minute. What makes a person dead? What makes a dead person? He's no longer alive. that's the simple answer. But, but give me something else. Sin makes him spiritually dead, but let's think practically for a second. What, what, what makes somebody dead? When your heart stops, um, I'll give you a perfect example, because you're not going to get where I'm headed with. People often think that their alarm clock opened them up in the morning. I want to give you a challenge. You can find any cemetery in Detroit and take an alarm clock. Sit it in the middle of that cemetery and set it off. What's going to happen? Nothing. Because death means that you are no longer responsive to the stimuli around you. You're dead to it. You can yell, you can scream, but a dead person can't what? Can't do nothing. They can't hear you, that, that you are thereby dead and unresponsive to what's around you, right? So now he says, now take it and look at this mindset. He says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you what? Die. To what? Sin. So now your response to sin should be what? As you're what? Dead. In other words, the ways of the world and the sin of the world should not entice you. Although the flesh might want it, you should treat it as though you're what? Dead. So whatever the flesh wants that's not like God, I've died in the spirit with Christ and I've been raised with Christ. And now my life is now hidden with Christ and God. My position is changed. And he says this, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then also you will appear with him in glory. Now this is hopeful because one of the most powerful things is the what? The resurrection. If there is no resurrection, we are wasting our what? Time. So he's saying, uh, when he's talking to these people, he's saying, set your mind on things above. Somebody said, well, why would I die to doing what I want or doing what I will or, or to my own self true? Why would I die to those things? Because I only get one go around and that's it. And once that's it, that's it. So I might as well live it up. Paul was saying, no, because this is not the way. End. And Christ is our hope, and because we have a hope of something better, we live like something is going to be what? Better. We don't live to get saved, but because we're saved, we live with the what? Hope of glory. Old folks used to say it this way, I'm sending up my timber every day. There used to be a song called, uh, I'm sending up my timber that will set our mind on things above. And it says, when Christ is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now, because that's going to happen, let's go to verse verse 5 because we all need to read that. Let's read what is the result of that. It says what? And we'll read 5 through 8. It says what? Read with us. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Keep going. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Keep going. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, But now you must also rid yourself of also these things as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. He's saying because you're hidden with Christ and God, because Christ, God has purchased you, he's purchased you now, you belong to what? Him. You must rid yourself of these things and we kind of just skip past those things. And, and that he's telling us to put to death. If you're going to put to death something, it doesn't mean, the word that he uses doesn't mean just put it in the gas chamber. It means like a Roman soldier would be grabbing by the head, pull his throat back, and slit it. Very violent. put to death. In other words, don't play with what? Sin. we Will to treat sin what? Seriously. If you flirt with sin, sin will win every time you can't so he says. therefore because of these things you have to everybody say make a choice he didn't say I suggest that you put to death he used an imperative he said what put to death which means that you don't get a what? choice I was speaking with one of my children not too long ago and and, and they were upset about something and I said you poor darling bless your heart see the problem is The only reason you're really upset is because you actually believe that you have a choice. (laughs) But not in this house, you guys. Your choice is to do what you told to do. And when you change your mindset, you won't be upset that you got to do what you told because that's my only choice. Your upsetness is coming from the thought that you really think that you have another option besides to do what I said. Or do what what your mother says. And that's how we should treat Christ, is that although we're free and have liberty, he's saying we really don't have a what? Option. You have an option, but you should want to what? Put to death. In other words, you should make a choice. Everybody said make a choice. He set us free, and he's removed prohibitions and impediments caused by our sin. And, and because of that, we're presented to God totally without sin. When God sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are without sin. But here, here's the thing. We sin every day. So he's seeing us through the blood of Jesus what? Christ. He's seeing us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And because we're getting something we don't deserve, we should try to make up everything we can. Have, has somebody ever done something for you and you were really grateful for it and you really wanted to pay him back? And you, you tried your best to pay him back. You really can't pay Christ back for salvation. But because he's given you salvation, your life should want to live in a way that what? honors him. Because you saved me and I couldn't save myself, I will live in a way that honors you. When you live that way, nobody has to beg you to show up to church. Nobody has to beg you to hear. Nobody has to beg you to pray. Nobody has to beg you to, to, beg you to study your Bible because when you're grateful for what Christ has done for you, you don't say, I, I have to do it. You say, I get to do it. It ceases to be a burden and then becomes a what? A privilege. But you got to change your perspective. Everybody said perspective matters. When you realize what Christ has done for you, perspective matters. And when you change your perspective, your behavior will change. That's why oftentimes you see Paul talking in his uh, epistles about belief first. Because when you get belief right and doctrine right, behavior generally tends to what? Follow. When I see people that are saved and they have nasty attitudes, I see people that are saved and they're rebellious and they don't like authority. When I see people who have a bad attitude and want to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, and can't nobody tell them nothing, they may be saved, but what I realize is that their perspective is off. They think that God owes them something. And God doesn't owe them anything. Have you thought about something? It's about 7 o'clock, 7.20. You've been breathing all day long and had never thought about the fact that you So who's keeping your breath going? Who put that autonomic system in your body to keep you breathing all day long? It's because of his mercy we would not consume. You sitting here in your right mind with your health and strength, probably have a warm home to go to, have warm clothes to put on, when you realize that you could not have any of those things, then it makes you change your focus, right? So now you want to put the death because I want to please you because I'm thankful for what you what? You've done for me. So now he says to put to death some things. He's reconciled us to himself. He's paid the legal penalty for sin for us. And now because the legal penalty for our sin has uh, has changed, he's also taken away the spiritual impact of our sins. What does that mean? That we were born in sin and in iniquity, uh, or the psalm says in iniquity was I born and sin was I shaped. What does that mean? We are born dead. And Christ has changed our status. And because he has changed our status, we should be grateful for him and we should put to death. Everybody said, put to death. He talked about putting to death. In other words, it's not an option. Somebody said, it's not an option. So you got to put to death. What's the first thing he says? He says, sexual immorality. Now we're going to look at all these. Everybody said, sexual immorality. Now, this comes from a word. A lot of people, when they want to have different types of, of sexual sins, they'll say, well, Jesus never mentioned those things. But the truth is, Jesus did mention those because he talks about this word that Paul used. Everybody said pornea. Pornea is a Greek word that means sexual immorality. And pornea is where we get our word. Does that sound like a word we're here today? today Pornography. That's where we get that word from pornea, uh, that's where pornography comes from, and it's—and that means in all of its kinds and in all of its levels, before we get to that, we're going to sexual immorality, which includes all sorts of sexual behavior and all sorts of ungodly behavior that, is, that Christ does not want us to have, and we could go through an extensive list. There's one in Leviticus chapter 18, uh, going down 1 through 30. We can see those things, and if God didn't like them then, he still does what? like them now. So because he's given us a free gift, we should try our best to live to please him and to put to death those things, right? Try not to do those things. And if you do those things, repent, change your mind, and turn away from what? Those things. Not just say I'm human and say it's okay and continue in those It's impossible to be on the earth and not sin. But the thing is, you've got to change your mindset from, it's okay for me to keep doing what I'm doing, and, and say, you know what? Every time I do this, I crucify. The Bible says, when we willingly sin, we crucify Christ afresh. In other words, we're not really honoring his sacrifice. We're making cheap his sacrifice. I give it to you this way Imagine you had $100,000, and you only had $100,000. And this person said, I really need $100,000. And you worked all your life with that $100,000 and you gave it to them. And when you see them, and you come over to their house and you say, by the way, what did you do with that $100,000? And they said, I spent it on this doormat that you just walked across. Marcia, i pick it up and take (laughs) it. How would it make you feel if you gave an extravagant gift to somebody and they took it and did something menial and dirty and filthy with it? So, how do you think Christ feels when he dies for our sins and we live any kind of way? It doesn't what? honor him. Let's go on to the next thing. Not only does he talk about outward because this is the outward form of impure action, but there are also inward forms of impure actions. He says impurity. Everybody say impurity. See, sexual immorality refers to some of the actions we may take. And sometimes we think just because we're not doing the action, we get a pass. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't get a pass. Because impurity has to do with our inner thoughts. It's got to do with our thought life. Somebody said thought life matters. Anytime you have a question, you can stop and ask. We're going through these questions, so I'm going to ask, ask, ask some at the end if we have some time. This is disrespectful clock and saying we might not have, have the time, but we're we going Is this helping anybody. This is internal impurity, which means that some of those thoughts that you have that you shouldn't have. We call it a, a filthy what? Mind. You're thinking things that you shouldn't ha- be thinking, and they're impure. They might not necessarily be sexual. They might just be mean. you thinking nasty about somebody. I wish somebody would knock you out. (laughs) I wish something bad would happen to you. People say stuff like that all the time. How many people every day, millions of people, turn on the television and start yelling at Fox News or CNN and wishing for the death of people they don't know just because they have a different political party? That's an inferior thought. You shouldn't be wishing ill for somebody. The Bible says pray for those people. When you have those thoughts, it reveals more about you than it does what? Oh, wow. It's quiet. Y'all say something to me. So, when we look at this, impurity, that can include pornography, which is not hard to get to pornography today. If you've got TikTok, Facebook, or anything, once you pull it up, it's going to be pornography on there. And it may not be to the extreme pornography, but you're going to see somebody scantily clad doing something they shouldn't do. Those things are giving, what, impure thoughts. So you've got to guard your what? Heart. You've got to guard yourself. Sexually explicit material, which means books and songs, and ideolo- ideologies. My, my kids and I were watching uh, a, a movie, a, I don't know if it was a Disney movie or whatever it was, but it had this song in it and we've been walking around the house. We can't get that song out of our head. It, 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 at first I didn't like the song, but it's so catchy that you keep doing it. And Satan knows how music is, so he'll get a beat that you like and he'll lace it with all sorts of filthy material that you meditate on in your mind. Ungodly material. Dirty, dirty jokes, jokes or impure, or impure speech. speech? You ever seen a joke that somebody laughed at that was kind of dirty? And you know you shouldn't laughed at it? But you laughed? Wow. Oh, it's just us guy that's having fun. No, it's impure. And it's childish, And we've all done it with guys. Locker room Uh-oh. And and ladies too, ladies, y'all, some ladies can, wow. (laughs) But it happens, doesn't it? These are the types of things that we need to put away. Some dating sites that aren't necessarily meant for dating, but for hookups and all sorts of other stuff, as Christians, we probably want to put those away, right? I didn't say all but some. Lust. Now, lust is emotional. Lust is when I emotionally desire something. The Bible talks about one of David's um, David's sons, and David's son was in love with his sister. And the Bible says he was sick so much that he was, what, in love with the girl. He wasn't really in love, he was in lust. And, and lust has to do with a desiring, an unpure desire. You can lust in a good way. You can have a lust for some good things, but what this is talking about is a lust for things that are what? Unhealthy. Evil desires. hmm evil desires we see that in the scripture it comes from the Greek kakos which means worthless depraved harmful Uh, longing in particular for what is epithomia which means longing particularly for what is forbidden in other words longing for things that we shouldn't have why are we here right now because there was a bunch of trees in the garden but they just had to have one that they couldn't have it's human nature to want what you can't have. There's nothing wrong with these seats up here, but, a, but watch what happens when you put ropes on the back seat. Somebody gonna pick up the rope and sit down there, why? Sin. Cause you don't want nobody to tell you what you can and can't do. You want what you what? Can't have. And if I put the ropes on the front, guess what people would do? they walk up and take off the rope. That's sin. It's sin and reality. It's funny, but there's sin in our life. We need to put that to what? Death. Now, that's a a light word, but that means all of us have something that we need to what? Work on. That none of us are exempt. That's why it's not good for us to look at everybody else's sin and try to judge them by theirs because all of us have what? Something we need to what? Deal with. We all got something we need to deal with. And from this, the, the writer and the person who did the study is talking about all the things that come from e- e- uh, evil desires, which comes from divorce, ends up a lot of times with divorce, and now cohabitation, which is not God's plan or design, but it's become commonplace, because especially even in Christian homes. Why? Because we've allowed it to be, and we didn't put it to what? Death. We felt that people would say we were judging it. And instead of teaching the Word of God and living according to the Word of God, every man did like they did in Judges, which the Bible and Judges said each man did according to what was right in their what? His own eyes. So I'm going to get to some of these questions. Where is your life hidden? Where's your life hidden? Anybody right there? That's it. Your life is hidden. Good job, Blake. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. And so therefore, how should you be treating those things in the world that are sinful? As if you're what? There, you, there go. you go. As if you're dead. dead. <laughs> DED. That's it. That's graveyard dead right there. You, you dead, but you can't even get the A in there. You're just dead. Unless, <laughs> and that's something we need to look at, that when you look at it from that perspective, then sin will start to what? Repulse us. We're not repulsed by sin anymore. We've gotten to the point of what Dietrich Bonhoeffer would call cheap grace, because we have grace and people keep telling us it's okay to sin, and it's not okay to sin. We have an advocate, because the Bible said, little children, what? I would that you what? Sin not. But if you sin, you have an ab- ab- advocate. What does that mean? It's a famous phrase that I use that says, everybody repeat after me, grace is for just in case. Not just because. Grace is there when we need it. And thank God that it's there when we need it, but we shouldn't take advantage of grace just because it's there. Paul put it this way: Shall we continue, therefore, in what sin that grace abounds? God forbid! Because there were is going around saying, "Well, since grace is there and grace abounds even more than sin, well, I should make grace even better. I, the more I sin, the more grace is valuable." They, the people come up with all sorts of talking about a favor by sinning you see how people can walk things so Paul has to address that and says we continue therefore in sin that grace abound God forbid, uh, God forbid. wow we, we haven't gotten as far as I thought we would get um, but there, there are a lot of notes here but we have to have an elevation what that's coming from is that we have elevated the human and we have lowered God we've, ha- we've, we've increased which is called secular humanism We have increased our thought of what man is, and we have devolved our respect and reverence for God. Now, that doesn't mean be legalistic and do all sorts of crazy stuff, and and, and sometimes people take it too far, but there should be a fear and reverence for God. In other words, when I do something, I give you a perfect example.
1: Anybody in here scared of
0: your soul? Anybody? Anybody scared of your soul? You might, your stove, your stove, the stove you cook with. Anybody scared of the stove? Nobody's scared of the stove, right? So, so everybody raise your hand if you're not scared of the stove. Except for my wife, she's, she's scared of the stove. she's raising her hand. But everybody else, nobody's scared of the stove, right? Now, lower your hand if you're gonna put your hand on the wild of Although you don't have a fear of a stove, that you know how to use it properly you have what's called a healthy fear. The Bible calls fear the fear of the Lord, the beginning of the wisdom, which means that you have an admiration and respect. You respect it because you know its potential. You just don't act in the old kind of way around the world. You get to talking and flopping your hands, but if you're cooking a pot of peas I bet you, you look down before you just swap your hand there. Why? Because you know the potential. What could happen if you get out of line? You know, the, you know power the power that that, that stove, stove has to result. What do we see that in the scripture? He said, "Fear not him who can destroy the body, but fear him and respect him who can throw both body and soul into what hell." That I should have a healthy respect for God. That's what the fear of the Lord is. Not that I'm walking around thinking that God is up there with the lightning bolt ready, ready to kill me. No, He's a loving Father. But we're gonna see something in a second that His wrath has. See, sin is like a magnet. And we're going to talk about that in a second. And and, and sin is like a magnet. And he said that the wrath of God comes. I'm going to come to that in a second. I want to just skip right to that, but I'm trying to be disciplined. But I'm going to go ahead. I'll come back to that. I want want you to see something in the scripture. It says, verse 6. Everybody, let's look at verse 6. What does it say? Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Did it say the wrath of God might come? It is. That's a promise. That the wrath of God is attracted to sin. It's not attracted to sin that it likes sin. It's like a magnet. Where the sin is, I put it this way: the back of your head is a magnet for your mama's hand when you don't do what she said you need to do. When you don't, when you don't do what you're supposed to do, all of a sudden, oftentimes when you're little, you find a. Anybody else your actions attracted your hand to your what? head. Sin attracts God's wrath to it. And if you got somebody in the car riding with you and the lights come on, and you riding down the street, and you riding down the street with this person, and you said, man, these lights are on, I ain't. I haven't done anything, i bathed the law." And They said, well, they after me uh, because I killed 10 people. What you gonna do? You gonna open the door, and you gonna kick them piling out, and you're not even gonna stop the car. You gonna keep going. You want to get, want as, get far as far away from, away from, them, from them as what? Possible. Possibly. Because they are they attracting, attracting the, wrath the wrath of the, of the, of the authority. Of the Sin attracts Sin the, wrath of the wrath of what? God. God. So, so I, should I should want to get as get get far away from them as what? Possible. And, by, and because, and by because you are saved by grace by through faith, you are avoiding the wrath of what? God. It's satisfied in the blood of Jesus. Wow different way to look at it, isn't it? But it's a powerful way to look at it. And we need to read a little bit further, but I'm gonna go through these, uh, a few more things. Is this helping anybody? Anytime you wanna stop and you wanna comment, you're welcome to stop and comment. I want you to stop and comment. I want people that are watching online to be able to stop. Because they have questions too. Uh, We're going to look right here. Uh, We know that the wrath of God is coming because of sin. We should want to divorce ourselves from that sin. Now it says, but you must now rid yourself of these. Verse 7. You see that? He said, the wrath of God is coming. He said, you used to walk in these ways in in the life you once lived. But now you must verse eight, let's read that. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. In other words, you gotta kick them out of the car. I didn't do I didn't disobey. You gotta deal with the law on your own. Wow. Has anybody ever told been told they have anger issues? Do you pop off? I give you a perfect example. If you got anger, if you're driving Detroit Street, just bring it on home. And it's snowing and rain, and you trying to drive like you got some. And you can hear somebody from a mile back that's got a Hemi with a supercharger, and they just and you try and they blow them lights on you and they hump at you because you're not going fast enough and then they blow past you and I'm going to blow off your rope. Are you happy about that? Now, if you look at them and you you, you you upset, you're a little warm, but it goes away, that's one thing. But if your initial thought is to say something that you're going to have to repent for, you might have a problem with anger. Because if you were in control, control, what was coming up wouldn't come out your way. But ain't nobody nobody sitting in in power. And they can't hear hear it. it. Ain't no there's nobody 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 to tell the pastor. pastor. So I'm gonna call call them them everything and I'm gonna use some compound cuss words while a minute, minute. just to make make sure (laughs) that you know what's on my mind. Or if you've asked your spouse not to do something, and they continue to do it over and over and over and over again, and one day you just lose. Anger. He says, put it away. Somebody does something to you, and you immediately snap at them. Somebody said, put it away. He says, put it away. Put that scripture back on the screen, media team. Anger. The word anger is orge. It refers to a settled angry attitude or disposition of the mind towards others that simmers away inside. It includes displeasure towards others, and it often includes planning of revenge. Let's bring it on home. You didn't say what you wanted to say during the fight. So now you ride down the street the argument in your mind, thinking about all the stuff that you should have thinking about what you're going to do to get them back. I'm tired of them doing this, so I'm not going to talk to them for three weeks so they can see my wrath. I'm tired of him doing the same old thing, so I'm going to have a headache for four weeks. I'm tired of her doing that, the same old thing, so if she has to get money, I'm going to swear I'm broke. Revenge. Anger. Mm-hmm. The big back. Revenge. Only James Brown people would get that. It's cool. Yeah. 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 And anger in yeah. it itself is not bad. bad. The Bible says be, be angry. angry. But what? Yeah. Sin not. Generally, when you explode on somebody, it's because they did something that you were upset about. You have not properly addressed it, and you've let it build up, and after a while, you just what? Explode. And it's not their job to not make you angry. It's your job to have what? Self what? Control. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody said, Help me, Holy Ghost. It's getting quiet now. Don't worry. If I step on your toes, you got ten of them. i am stepped on about nine of mine, so don't feel bad. <laughs> i got one toe. <laughs> Mark, I need some steel toes. Here. Rage. Thumos. This is a more agitated and, a vi- and an explosive, violent rage of anger. In other words, when you just start. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. You're getting on You're my nerves. You're, nerves. Doing, You're this doing this, and you just You're explode all Robert. You short fuse. Nobody can say anything. To you. Your spouse or your children are walking around on eggshells. Your friends walking around on eggshells, and they telling you why are you angry all the time. I'm not mad. If they keep telling you you mad, you mad. You're just not self-aware and emotionally intelligent. And as a Christian, we need to what rid ourselves of these things. Is this helping anybody? Somebody saying, I hope we hurry up and get through this list. <laughs> I didn't make the list. It was written in the Bible before I got here. Malice, maliciousness, Greek, kakia, lightfoot, defines it as vicious nature which is bent on doing harm. You know, some people that, just, that, like, remember the knockout channels where people just walk around and knock people out on video. Just, just for a challenge, people that are bent on doing harm, people that are bent on doing malicious things. Now here's the worst one of all, slander, everybody says slander. That's where we get our word blaspheme from. It's from the Greek blasphemia. It refers to vilification, where you turn everybody into a soap opera character. You know they're just doing this because they're evil and they're trying to destroy me. When we start talking about people behind their backs and making up narratives, we know something somebody did. And I'm going to read it the way it's written here. It says, the word is mostly derived from blaptoe to injure. Theme means speech. To injure with your speech. Have you ever said something nasty and negative about somebody behind their back? Hence, that speech in, injures. And it says, in respect to God, it is human speech that defames God. We get the word blasphemy. Uh, from this word, but Paul is listing sins that hurt other what. Some of these sins, the Bible says, he that does a sexual sin sins against himself. He said, put those away because you hurt yourself. But anger is hurting other what. If they telling you you are angry and you hurting me, stop telling them that you're not angry, and consider that sometimes they may be hurt. right. And as a Christian, it is your duty not to knowingly injure somebody. Sometimes we're going to hurt people because we're human and we don't mean it. But if somebody is telling you that you are hurting me by the way you're talking to me, don't just say that's just the way I am. Just get over it. That is not a Christian attitude. He said the what? Kick that out of the way. That's not the coming of a Christian, and it does not give glory to Lord. So we should get rid of speech that vilifies people. If I look at half of your Facebook, uh, uh, I shouldn't say this, but I'm gonna say it. If I look at half of your Facebook posts during political season, this would apply to you. Vilifying presidents, vilifying politicians, talking about them as if they don't have children and family and feelings, calling them stupid and dumb and ignorant. Because we disagree with their policies, putting up stuff stuff that is vicious and mean, and just thinking because they're a public figure, we have the right to say whatever we want about them. If you can't say amen, that doesn't become what? Christianship. And we are worse than the people that we're talking about. If you don't like the president, you don't, have, you don't to have to not like, you don't have to like what the president does. You don't have to like the president, whoever the president may be at the time. You don't have to like their policy. But you are to pray for them what you aren't doing. Don't say nothing to them that you wouldn't want nobody saying about you in front of your kids. What if their kids walked up? But you want them to hear what you're saying about them? Wow. Snap. Here's another one. Everybody said filthy language. foul abusive talk. The two concepts of abuse and filth are contained in this word. When you look at, go back to it, and it says this. It says Paul is not speaking here of putting off dirty jokes or sexually explicit speech. He has already done that in verse five. Here he is outlawing verbal abuse of others that uses. Sexual references or terms, or any other foul, obscene terms or inferences, as part of that abuse, in order that the abuse may belittle, shame, and destroy. Nasty talk. It includes abusing and saying other stuff. Cat calls. All that type of stuff. Then he says this. He says, "Everybody said, don't lie to each other. Calling little white lies." No such thing as a white lie. A lie is a lie. I deal with you a lot better if you just tell the truth. Please don't lie to me. If I just say, hey, I missed you Sunday. Just say, you know what? I was lazy. I didn't feel like coming. I would appreciate that more than you sitting and looking at my face. No, you lying. And say, I love the Lord. I would have been here, but this. No, you don't. don't. Don't lie to me. It's not helpful. We lie to people all the time, and we make excuses for when it's okay to lie, but it's never okay to lie. Now, some people can get down into the weeds and start going, to have, and they have a lying spirit, but lying in general calm is not a what? Good idea. We lie to people because we don't want to hurt their feelings and think it's okay. at 17 seconds, can y'all give me five minutes? Is this helping anybody? If it's not helping you, we stop right here. Don't lie to each other. He says something that's profound in verse 9. Let's go to verse 9. It says, let's read verse 9 together. Let's read it. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Let's go to verse 10. And have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Let's go ahead and read verse 11 too. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Now, the reason I read that, we can keep going. Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now let's stop right there, because we hear a lot of times people erroneously use that scripture. There is neither male nor nor female, you know, reborn or free, to erase gender roles, and that is not what the Bible is doing. God has gender roles. God has positions for gender in the uh, gender in the Bible. He, he has positions for the man. He has positions for the woman. They're clearly aligned in scripture. What he is saying here is that spiritually, we're all on the same way. That we're all saved. A man not more saved than a woman. Uh, a Jew is not more saved than a Gentile. If you're in Christ, a black person is more saved than a white person. That if you're in Christ, you're saved with what? Saved. So, but people who... Sometimes I often try to pervert the gospel and we'll try to use that to say that men and women uh, are the same and we're not. We're, we're not the same, we're not built the same, we're not designed the same, psychologically we're not the same, our brains weigh different, our heart weighs different, our, our chromosomes are different, our biology is different and our positions are different. We have the same goal, with different roles and God made it that way. So if God made it that way, it is therefore right and good and any attempt to change it is therefore wrong and bad. Amen? Amen. Amen? So, that, that's, just, that's free right there. But now let's look at some of this good stuff he tells us to put on. We looked at all that bad stuff that, that we're supposed to take off. But let's look at some of the good stuff that we're supposed to put on. He says, put on compassion. Compassion, it means, now they the Jews, then we says things flow from our heart. But the Jews would say that empathy came from the bowels. So from the bowels of compassion. In other words, that we have compassion for people. That we empathize with them. We don't just see people suffering and we just walk away like it doesn't bother us. Like, oh, well, that's not my problem. We get hard. Sometimes the ways of the world, if you're not careful, will make you hardened because you see so many people abuse compassionate people that you try to say, instead of trying to let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you and make the right choices, you just say, well, I just I just shut it all off. Since there are some people who abuse and they're not really homeless and they they abuse that, you know, I'm not just I'm just not going to give anybody any money. Every time I see somebody, I'm just going to look the other way and harden my heart. No, you have to be. That's, that's, that's legally you have to get in the reverse form. You have to say, Lord, guide my heart, Holy Spirit, guide me. You let me know when it's the right time to do something, when I need to do something. Let me be led, not just let me overlook somebody that's in need and be in compassion. Amen? Okay. Kindness, which means gentleness or, or doing something to benefit for somebody, being practical with somebody, doing something good and not looking for anything in return. I like that. I don't know about you. But I love doing good stuff with people sometimes, and you be surprised when you do it people, and, and you, you just want to do it, and it makes you feel good when you do something good for somebody, when they didn't ask for what they they didn't, they wouldn't really let you know they needed it, but it just does something when you've just met a need for somebody, and you're not looking for anything in return, you get joy out of seeing it happening, joy out of knowing Enjoying the benefit of whatever you did, have kindness for people. The Bible says, "With what loving kindness have I what drawn you?" We have a loving God. His wrath comes because legally it has to come because He's a righteous judge. But He's so loving that He sent His own Son to die, for us. so that when the wrath had to come legally. He would take it somebody often did it this way he said imagine yourself and i'm gonna use up some of my time but he said imagine yourself in jail and you come up there and you got a bunch of fines that you can't pay and you look up and your dad is the judge and you can't pay the fines and, and he says the, the bail is ten thousand dollars and you don't have ten thousand dollars to pay the fines and your dad is the judge and he has to pronounce the sentence on you but what the father then does he, he hits the gavel and says the the judgment is ten thousand dollars you owe it But then the judge takes off his robe, walks out of the judge stand, walks down to the defendant's spot beside his son and reaches in his pocket and pulls out the money. I have to judge you because you're guilty, but I'm paying the fine. Wow. That's the love of Christ humility and gentleness. We're not going to get all this finished. I'm not going to push it. I'm going to leave some spots for discussion and questions. Is there anything that's been said tonight that just sticks
1: out to anybody? Or
0: anybody got a thought that this is pulled up in their mind? Anything that you'd like to share? Bible says, "Give the gossip. And this is what gossip is. If you're talking about anybody's business, up into anybody, up into the person that installs it's gossip. Say, say you like Mark, and you eat onions all the time, and you don't know why everybody's slain in the spirit when they see you. <laughs> Every time you say hello, they just fall out. <laughs> now, it's true that your breath was stuck. But if I go over to her and say, you know what? that's the truth but what was my motive behind doing that what did it solve it didn't solve anything unless I'm saying hey remember I got an idea let's get some gum and bring it over to the and teach him how to cook with salt instead of garlic (laughs) you see what I'm saying it's about the intent of the heart Yes, we obviously can see things that are wrong. But just because you see something wrong don't mean it's you your business to what you're talking about. The Bible calls those bids about it. And Thessalonians says this. It says study to be quiet and to mind thy own business. If it's your boss, that's a good example. Now your boss is lazy and it's affecting you. If somebody watching me later, so I'm not gonna tell your name, name. Your full name will say where you work. Keep the camera off of him. But at the same time, <laughs> if you got a boss that's lazy, who if you tell somebody else. You're lazy, All Sometimes you're to be in this life with people that you're going to have to do what the Bible calls Everybody say, long suffering. You know what that means? Me I'm going to put the words around you. are going to have to suffer with. But here's a way to suffer along you and deal with their stuff. Think about all the lies we've been told. And so, Lord, if you ever let me out of this, I promise, I ain't going to never gonna do this again. Anybody ever told that lie? And you went and right. You went right back. Back. <laughs> and then the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. So, he so, say, so he says, forgive you us and do high. You must you and, 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 stand stand and have a you, you, you must be put in Because the Bible says if you don't forgive your 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 brothers, neither will your heavenly father what? Forgive you. That was a good question. That was a good question. Anybody got a real good question? I like that. one. He's being real. Anybody have another question? Any other comments? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times, life won't be perfect because life is full of imperfect people. And we talked about Sunday. We live in a world that's what? Broken. And the people in it. Are broken. So, matter of fact, let's go and read these last scriptures down to verse 12 and verse 13. Because the Mark even brought it up. Uh, it says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, pose yourselves with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let's go to 13 and 14. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievous. Someone forgive as the Lord forgave you. Well, well, well. Let's go to verse 14. <laughs> and over all these verses, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We won't finish it off tonight. Isn't that amazing? I don't know why I didn't go ahead and finish it out, but it was so you can ask that question. You see how the word will help us, but it works it when we work it. In other words, we got to put it into practice. I'll tell you, sometimes you might not know it, but before a sermon hits you, it's hit me three or four times. And even when I was preaching to you, sometimes I have to go home and I have to go and deal with some of the same emotions that you deal with, the same insecurities that you deal with, the same fears that you deal with. And I have to, it's worse for me because I got to take my own And I got to sit down and I got to pray say, and I, I'll be transparent. From Sunday, the things that I gave y'all Sunday, I went to the coffee shop and I had to sit down. I was dealing with the issue, and I had to do those things, and I said, I'm gonna change the guard. And when I felt something creep in, I started saying, Lord, I'm thankful for this, and I'm thankful for that, I'm thankful for this. And you know what happened? All of a sudden, those feelings started to work. Learning this stuff will do you no good if you don't put it to work. James said, be hearers of the, doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. If you're just learning this to be smart, you're fooling yourself. If you go home, if two of y'all, I pick y'all, because y'all on the married couple in here beside me and Robbie. If y'all go home and start fussing tonight, you need to pull this stuff back this out. out. And look at this. Why? Because it won't work, it's it's to you see see it. work. work. I you what? It I because they But at the same time. It only it worked, work, work. But the day when somebody send you something filthy tonight and you look at it and you start laughing, put it into practice and so say, you know what? I could do a little bit better. This is supposed to be an encouraging lesson. It's not to pull us down, it's to let us know we can all do a little bit better. So, any other questions, any other comments? Paul is saying, and he. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. That. Well, here's here's the thing, and oftentimes we lose, we lose this on preachers. We put preachers in pedestals that they don't belong. Preachers that they deserve honor and things like that, but they're human beings. And what Paul is saying Paul is that I can't just tell you this stuff and not have to do it myself. They go through the same struggles. They may be for a different thing. Just like you face disappointment, I face disappointment. Just like you face discouragement, I face discouragement. I give you perfect help I'm so encouraged when I see the church full of people and things like that. And and I know that I'm here for the right reasons, whether it's two or three. But when I know people are out and they're supposed to be here and they don't have no reason except they just didn't feel like coming, I get what? Discouraged. And I have to remind myself that I'm not here for numbers. I'm here for Christ. And a lot of pastors do that. I, I talk to pastors all over that, that they preach preaching faith to other people, but they having trouble getting their congregations to move forward with things and getting people in the gear to go with the vision God's called for them, and they get what? Discouraged. So while they are, did you know that 1,500 pastors at least a month quit? While they preaching faith to you, they discourage. While they preaching faith to you, they have troubles in their home. While they preaching faith and healing to you, they dealing with sickness. While they while they preaching faith to you that God can 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 take that vision that He gave you and make your business flourish, He's looking out across His congregation, saying, "I need fifteen, I need fifteen people to volunteer, and everybody come to church and leave with one volunteer." While he's, Why speaking, he's faith speaking faith to you that to to God's gonna get somebody to fund your, fund your business. He looking he's and smiling looking to God. people that he know don't give. Him. He's dealing with those same things. So he has to, he has preach, that to preach that same, same faith, faith to his work. So if there's anything that you don't get from the night, remember, this word, word will only work. Word. If you work, you got you to got apply to it. your life. And you can't you just can't do, it do it one time. Not this, not one time. time. this ain't a one-time
1: because the devil is persistent. You resist
0: the Bible said, resist the devil. Submit to God, resist the devil. He will flee from you. It never said he would not come back. He just come back in a different form. So you always got to be. In word. You always got to be humble. You always got to be in prayer. And you always got to be applying the word. There is no arrive. You've never arrived with God. It's a struggle to the day you die. Not be faithful until you hit 65 or 55 and collect your pension. Be thou faithful unto death. And I will give you a crown of life. Stay in the fight. I want to encourage you and anybody that's listening tonight. If you're listening online, stay in the fight. Don't give up. You may feel like throwing in the towel. Life does not come without bumps and scrapes. But if you endure, it will get better. I don't care if you listen to me on on Facebook Live or whatever we're doing tonight, and you said my marriage is at the end of its rope. Stay in the fight. Don't give up. God hates divorce, and he loves both of you. Work it out. Don't give up. No matter what you've done, it doesn't surprise me. And he loves you. And he died. Let's pray. God, I thank God, you for these wonderful questions and this one, these wonderful interactions. It's so much better when we can all come together and share our faith and, and, and learn together, Lord God, in, in, in a wonderful environment. I thank you for the opportunity to love the Word, the uh, God, and I and I pray in the name of Jesus that you touch each and every one that hears this study, that they will be blessed because they hear the word and they do. Thank you for this wonderful word you've given us. Thank you for a wonderful 2021 that you've given us, God. With all its bumps and scrapes, with all its plagues and pestilences, God, you still allowed us to be here. and We're grateful, we give you thanks in all situations, even in the unpleasant truth, because we're still here. You still kept us here with purpose for a purpose, Lord God. And so we look with hope and expectation To the God of Miracles for 2022. And we bless your name. We lift you up. And we give you all the praise. We give you all the honor we give you all the glory. We give you all the thanks, God, because we look unto you, unto the hills where our help come from. And God, you have been our help in 2021 and we believe that you're going to be our help in 2022, that you're going to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Lord, we're not going to be naive and not know that, that 2022 is going to come with some struggles, but God, because you're in those struggles, we'll be able to overcome them because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we thank you, God, for victory through every battle that we face. As you count me. As you measure And we'll be careful to give you all the praise in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Somebody